You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Well, good morning. Thursday is Thanksgiving. Anybody excited about eating turkey? All right. Marty's going to eat some turkey. Marty, do you deep fry the turkey? What do you do? How do you cook your turkey? You don't do turkey? No. Nope. <laughs> Gay does all the turkey. She does all the cooking. <laughs> Anybody deep fry? Am I the only one that deep fries a turkey? I'm the only one. All right. Well, I don't even get to deep fry it this year because we're not hosting. But <laughs> we're going to have turkey. My kids uh, make fun of me because from the day after Thanksgiving until Christmas, I play Christmas music. <laughs> and usually... <laughs> Uh, yeah, about 30, 20-some days of Christmas music, and they said, can't we just play Christmas music on Christmas Eve and Christmas? Why does it have to be from after Thanksgiving all the way through? And I say, well, because it's my home that I get to play Christmas music. Uh, usually Harry Connick Jr. or something like that, Michael Buble or Hillsong has a great Christmas album. Uh, but Christmas, holidays, it's already the holidays. Um, I just want us to be, to be mindful of that and just love on each other and also be mindful of our communities and those around us, uh, who are, who are, whatever stage that you're in, just to, just to be, be reaching out to each other because it's great to celebrate, but it also can, can stir up emotions and situations and, and uh, yeah, so just the holidays. Um, around the dinner table this week, uh, my kids, for some reason, started talking a lot about Queen Elizabeth and kings and queens and and monarchies and all kinds of questions about uh, Queen Elizabeth being the, the uh, longest reigning monarch, the oldest monarch in, in British history, and people asking, uh, able asking me, well, how do I become a king? <laughs> uh, how, do, how, do, how do we be a king? And I said, well, I'm the king of this home. <laughs> and they said, yeah, and, and your chair, that's the throne. And I, and I started making a joke about the porcelain throne, and nobody got it, and I just <laughs> let it go at that. Uh, but for some reason, talking about kingdoms and kings, and we've been talking about as a church uh, for many weeks about the kingdom, about the kingdom that Jesus came and spoke of, and uh, about Alexander the Great. Anybody remember that from, from school? Alexander the Great uh, inherited his kingdom, the Greek uh, empire, from his father when he was about 20 years of age, and by the time he was 30, he had conquered everything that he knew you could conquer. The Greek, the Greek Empire, it wasn't the whole world, but it was the whole world that he knew about. And Alexander the Great extended the Greek kingdom and conquered the known world 300 years before Jesus walked the earth. And Alexander the Great became the definition of power and the definition of, of kingdom. And then the Romans come along, Caesar comes along, and and their goal is to do what the Greeks did. And so they extended the Holy Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, the, uh, the Roman government, the Caesar. Caesar believed that he had absolute authority, that he was divine. And Jesus was born under oppression of the Roman Empire. How the Romans were in control. The Romans were, were ruling the world at the time of Jesus. And here Jesus comes along the scene, and, and Jews were born slaves. That Jesus walked the earth. It's good for us to remember this when we read the gospel, that they weren't born in America, the land of the free, they were born in the Roman Empire, the land of oppression. And that's, the, the, that's the, the world that Jesus was born into. And the Jews were wanting their own deliverer, their own Messiah, Christ, to rise up 
so that they could be in charge so of, their, of their own lives, so that they could rule. They were enslaved. But Jesus, as we know, did not come to free the people from the Romans. He came to free us from ourselves. He came to free us to be the people that we are supposed to be, for humanity to be humanity as we are supposed to be. This, this language that we've been using, this language that, that we use of kingdom and even of advance, we put advance on our, on our partner um, stuff this, this year, and this word kingdom, it can, it can take many different tones. It's easy to think of kingdom in a, in a power way. It's easy to think of kingdom in a militaristic way. And that's why we've chosen even, even the, the image of building and, and in other images that we've used, how we're building something and how there's, there's different ways that we can think of kingdom. There's different ways that we can think of power. We want it to be defined ultimately by Jesus and how Jesus redefined power, redefined what it looked like to lead, what it, what it looked like to be, to be the king. I, I was walking by our table full of notes. I hope you got your notes this morning. And I, I heard Ted say, do we have a wiring diagram on the notes? And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, that does look like a wiring diagram. By the way, I, I wired a, uh, my fridge downstairs in the basement um, a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't figure out. It kept going off and on and off and on, and when it freeze anything, and I figured out yesterday that I wired it on my light switch leg, so every time I turned the basement lights off, <laughs> my, my refrigerator turned off. So those of you that tried to help me figure out why my refrigerator isn't running, I figured it out. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But uh, this, this diagram that I have on the notes, uh, it's really small. Google it sometime just to see. I just wanted to give an image of the tabernacle, how the tabernacle in the book of Exodus and in the Old Testament and in the nation, the ancient, ancient Israel, the nation of Israel traveled around with a, with a tabernacle and then eventually a temple. And the, the tabernacle had the outer courts where you could go in and and do what you do in the outer courts and the inner courts and the Holy of Holies where, where the Ark of the Covenant was and where the priest would go in, would go in all by himself into the Holy of Holies and how the presence of God would, would fill the Holy of Holies behind a curtain there that only the high priest would go, would go into. And you, you can read about this in Exodus or, or look this up, um, but the, the role of the priest, the role of the priest in, in Israel was to care for the tabernacle he would make sacrifices. He would bring sacrifices for the people. He would announce God's blessing over Israel. He would represent God and represent, or represent God to the people and represent people to God. We know, we know this word priest. The, the, the tabernacle was elaborately decorated with, with colors and purple and gold, but was, but was without an image. And we all know that from the Ten Commandments, make no image, um, how there was no image in the temple. Well, that's because... The image of God is who? What, who is the image of God? What is the image of God? We are, us. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, or Genesis chapter 1, excuse me. In Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Humanity is to be the image of God on the earth. And they will reign kingdom, kings, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Humanity, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, was supposed to rule and reign and govern and be the image of its creator in the earth. We're supposed to be royal priests. Humanity was supposed to be a royal priest, royal, ruling, reigning over creation, priest, representing God, being that go-between, being the hands and feet of, of God in the world, ruling over creation. A royal priest is supposed to represent creation to God, supposed to represent God to creation, supposed to rule creation on, on God's behalf. But if you know the story, if you read further along in the chapter, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman there in the story, they decide that they want to not just be like God, but they want to be God and decide what's good for their own, good, good on their own. And it wrecks the whole story for all of us, and then we continue to wreck the whole story for, for all of us as we make our own decisions. But from the very beginning, it was, it was that desire for them to be royal priests in the world. Let's go back to the tabernacle. Back to the tabernacle and back to the mountain in, in Egypt when the Israelites were brought out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 19. The Israelites have been, have been freed from the Egyptian empire, and God is speaking to them, and he says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, God says, Now, if you will obey me and keep my, co my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and, they will, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. So we, we see this theme in Genesis and in Exodus and carried all the way through the scriptures how God is looking, God is desiring for his people, for his creation, as the crown of creation, humanity, to be a, a royal priesthood, to rule and reign over creation, and to represent God, and to represent, and to pray for others, and to go before God for people. So we fast forward to Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus is baptized, and then he goes around doing priestly things. He goes around forgiving people. Jesus goes around restoring people who were impure so that they could be a part of the temple system. He goes around extending the priesthood, extending the kingdom. What we continually not represent God, humanity does. Jesus sacrificed himself, and we, we know the story. Gabe talked about it during worship, how when, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that was in the tabernacle, the temple at that time was torn in two. And how up until Jesus died on the cross, the, the, the temple was where the, the presence of God was, was, was believed to be, where, or not believed to be, where, where it was, and that's where we went to meet with God. But then when Jesus died, that, that veil was torn in two, and God's presence is then throughout the earth in all of his people, that we become the host of God's presence. And 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for us? Jesus goes on and he commissions his disciples to share the gospel, to take up their calling 
as royal priests. What kind of a, a royal priest was Jesus? I want to go to John chapter 13. Something caught my eye this week as I was, I was reading this. In John chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Verse 2, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. I want to pause right there. John tells us here, John being the one who wrote these words down, that John tells us that Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. He knew that he had power. He knew that he had authority. That's what John is, is, is reminding us of, that Jesus, he, he understands the authority, the power that he has. And then look what he does next. Knowing that he has authority, knowing that he has power, verse 4, so he, Jesus, got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter postured, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not, need to, to, does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Speaking of, speaking of Judas, for Jesus knew who would betray him. Uh, I'm going to keep going. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the, ma the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus showed us what power looks like. Jesus showed us what servanthood looks like. That knowing he had all the power in the world, he decided to wash his disciples' feet, which is a, an act of humility and an act of service. He took the posture of a servant. That he would, in the, in the coming hours, he would die for the very, per very people who killed him. That he would be faithful to those who would betray him. That he would forgive those who had condemned him. And he's, he's flipping the idea of kings and kingdom and power and authority and showing us what it really looks like or what it's supposed to look like. Who would you be if you were free to be yourself? If you were free to be all that you could be, who would you be? 
with, with power, what would you do? What would, what would you step into? Who would, you, would, you, would the world be better through you? I want to go to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Peter writes, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, speaking to followers of Jesus, to us, you can accept this. For you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that, that was planned for them. But for you, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires and wage war against your souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even, they, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to, the God, to God when he judges the world. We all play a part in God's kingdom. And as, as we've been going through this series of, of the kingdom and, and talking about what the kingdom looks like, what the kingdom is, and, and what part will we play, I really wanted to underscore that we all play a part. That we all, as humanity, are meant to be royal priests. That we, are, we all are royalty. We are the image, or supposed to be, the image of God in the world that we are supposed to pray for each other. I love, I put it in your, in your handout. First uh, Timothy chapter 2. Even this, this idea of, of priesthood in our world and in, in our culture, you know, we, we'd like to remind ourselves that there's only one mediator between God and man. And so let's look at that passage, First Timothy chapter, chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. To intercede for people, to represent people before God. To pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that you can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness. And dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. 
For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, but we are his representative. We are his hands and feet. We are his voice box. We are his, his cup of water. We are the people who bring that. And we've been challenging each other to be partners, to, to be a part of what NTC is doing. But whether or not you're a partner, whether or not this is your first time, whether or not you belong to a, a different church, we are all supposed to represent God in the world and be a kingdom of priests, be a, a, a kingly priest. What does that mean for you? For your home, for your workplace, for your world? I invite you to, to, to ask that. God, am I ruling well? Am I leading well? Am I loving well? Do I represent God well? I think when I look at us, I think we do a great job. But I want to lean in even farther. Don't just stand with me this morning. I'm early. That's okay. <laughs> as we as we think about these these big things, Greg Greg just dropped a bomb on us, and a lot of us knew it from coming from the partner party. But we're we're talking about big things as a church. L- looking at the next forty years. Starting churches to saturate the North Country, as, as Heather said, you know, looking at land to, to be a resource center, to be a place where we can see people restore. Sowing $150,000 into our global family to see churches planted perpetually. These are huge things, and where, where my heart has been beating in, in these conversations is realizing you know, that we're not just building our own kingdom. We're not just trying to be great. We're wanting to serve Messina. We're wanting to serve the North Country. We're wanting to see God's name be lifted high. And I'm not questioning any of our motives, but just to remind ourselves that we're not just trying trying to have bigger programs and bigger buildings and and bigger things so that we can look back and, and see, but we're trying to build so that more people, so that more love, so that more peace can reign over the North Country. You know, we, we, we've talked for years about if we could just get reach 10%, how we could fill this place, how God, but God wants even more than that. He wants every single person to know him, to experience wholeness, to experience freedom. But the only way that we're going to do that is if we all do it, <laughs> is if we all take up the mantle of royal priests, of leading our homes, leading our environments, leading our workplaces, and and declaring who God is and and praying for those who are in authority and praying for our bosses and praying for our neighbors and and reaching out and and bringing a Thanksgiving meal and, and helping and doing all the things that we can do. How we all have a role. What role will you play? What's, what's the role that God is inviting you to play in our world, in Messina? You know, we're, we're going to come in a couple weeks and we're going we're gonna to pledge to give and we're going to give one-time gifts and we're going we're gonna to do that. 
we're gonna play a role, but we get to play a role in every area of our life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are, Jesus, our royal high priest. God, that you are the suffering servant. God, you are, you are the one who showed us the perfect example. God, the one who made the ultimate sacrifice. But then you invite us to take up our mantle, to take up our role, to represent you in our world. God, give us, give us the strength, give us the desire, give us the hope, God, to see your kingdom established in the North Country just deeper and farther and wider. God, help us all to lean in and to be a part, God, of, of your plan for the world. God, we thank you for the invitation, God, and we, we lean forward into you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Thanksgiving. Glad, glad you're here. Glad you're a part. And let's show the world what Jesus is like. Amen. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.